Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. We, are, we have a missionary guest here with us, uh, Buddy and Cheryl Denton. Uh, they are also uh, the parents of our very own worship pastor, Trey Denton. And uh, they're going to be sharing with us about their new ministry call here uh, and where, they're, where the Lord is moving and leading them. And also a powerful, powerful word. If you weren't here in the first service, you're in, you're in for a treat with today's message. And just go ahead and be praying, God, I'm available, okay? That's all I'm going to tell you. Um, but but uh, these folks have been wonderful influences in my life, Pastor Lisa's life, and just an encouragement to us. And we are so thankful to have trod this journey as far as we have with you guys. You're a tremendous blessing to us. Would you come and share with the people? Would you make them, them welcome today as they come and share their ministry with you? Pastor Buddy was also my principal in school, too, so there's that. And he never had to whoop me. I was going to say, Pastor Steve, you know, some people would get up and say, well, I can tell you all these stories that you probably would love to hear about your pastor and whatever. And some, uh, but, but I want to tell you, your pastor was a great student. I never had any trouble with him. He was a great student. So <laughs> you could be proud of his background and his, uh, uh, his behavior as he was growing up. And so thank you, Pastor Steve, for allowing us to be here with uh, your family here at Faith Assembly. And I want to say thank you also and the body here for supporting us this past year. You've been supporting us, and we haven't even been here but uh, through our knowledge and, and un, you know, relationship with Pastor Steve, he went ahead and started supporting us in our missions endeavor. And I want to say thank you so much, Pastor, for, um, for, for doing that. Uh, let me just quickly tell you a little bit about us, and then I do have a word for you this morning. But, and uh, after being a principal of a Christian school for 12 years that uh, Pastor Steve went, attended in, in Askeville, uh, we were called to be missionaries to the former Soviet Union. We lived a year and a half in Moscow, Russia, and two and a half years in Vilnius, Lithuania. And I was a Bible school teacher uh, at a Bible school training pastors. And uh, we had uh, uh, leaders in the Russian community there in Russia that would send us students. And I've got a picture I want to just show you. Uh, of a couple of those leaders. I am on the left, when much younger and much skinnier. In the middle is a um, pastor, a leader that had been in prison 25 years for the gospel's sake, not because he'd committed a great crime, but just because he loved Jesus. He spent 25 years in, in prison. The guy on the right also spent pr time in prison, three years in prison. And um, they, uh, they would send us students, and we had over in Moscow over like 550 or 60 students. I can't remember exactly out of five semesters. These are next two slides are a, a sampling of the semesters that we had uh, there in Moscow. We also have a slide uh, coming up of on Easter Sunday. Some of them, they did everything really cool on Easter Sunday, and we threw that slide in there. Uh, my wife taught the leaders, uh, young ladies and whatever, to have children's ministries like Pastor Glenn is doing. Uh, under the Soviet rule, they did not allow you to teach your children in church like that. It was a crime. 
And uh, so they didn't really know how my wife was able to do that. And so I've got a couple slides of her teaching them with puppets. And also my children, I have three children, as uh, Pastor Steve mentioned, Trey is my youngest. You'll see him on the bottom there. He's the little guy there. Uh, and, uh, but we involved them in ministry, especially ministering to children. We'd get, help them, uh, give them Bibles, and they'd hand out Bibles and so on and so forth. And God allowed us to travel throughout the former Soviet Union, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, and so on, places like that. But about uh, when we came back, I became pastor of the church over at my home church in Askeville. For 23 years, we'd been pastoring. And about five years ago, I was able to reconnect with a few of our students who had immigrated to America. It was really crazy. I hadn't seen these people uh, in 20 years at that time, 20, 23 years. So what? And uh, I brought some of them to Askeville, took them over to Wright's Brothers and took some pictures. They were so excited to see us. They asked us, they said, will you come preach for us? Will you come preach? And of course, as a pastor, it's kind of hard to get away and go preaching, you know, and visiting uh, the, the, our friends that we hadn't seen in so long. Uh, but about, uh, about two and a half years ago, something like that, the Lord began to stir in our hearts. That, uh, uh, he said that I want you to transition out of pastoring. Now, I was content with just retiring there in Askeville. It's my home church. I was raised there, basically. And, and I was content, but God, in the middle of COVID, I think, God, don't you know, don't you better time it than that? And he said, no, now's the time. But in the middle of COVID, he tells me to, to resign my church and go out on the road and minister to the Slavic communities in America. Well, I didn't realize there was so many Slavic people, when specifically Russian and Ukrainians, that's who we were dealing with within the Slavic community. But uh, this past year, in 2021, uh, we have been, we resigned our church in 2020, December, and started uh, traveling in 2021. And we have been all over this country uh, preaching in Russian and English-speaking churches, but we preached in Russian communities in South Carolina, in Oklahoma, in California, in Oregon, in Washington, Minnesota, and Massachusetts. There's lots of Russian people and Ukrainian people. You might not have known there was that many. Uh, but uh, in fact, when I was out in the Portland area uh, back in, in the early fall, they told me, one of the brothers told me that uh, English out of California, Oregon, and Washington. English is, of course, the number one language. Number two language is Spanish. The number three language is Russian. And he also told me that in the Portland area alone, there are 200,000 Slavic people. So, the, you know, there's a lot of Slavic people. In fact, you probably have some living right here in Greenville. And some of you may know a few, and some of you may not. If you know some, it'd be cool for, you know, if I could connect. I don't live that far away when we're home. But uh, anyway, uh, we have resigned our church, and we've been traveling since January of that last year. And uh, God has just been opening up some doors. And, uh, you know, when I stepped out, I did, had no idea, really. Uh, I had a pastor or two tell me, say, well, now, what is your goal? What's your vision? And I was just like, I'm not sure. All I know is I'm supposed to step out and do this. But since we have been ministering, uh, it's amazing. But God has opened up doors among the young people, the young Slavic community. And there's a lot of issues because there's, they're in a cultural confusion. They're still, their parents are still hanging on to the, to the Russian culture, and they're in American culture, and there's just this, uh, this, this tension. And God has allowed us uh, to kind of move in and, and to be able to work with them, and it's, it's been great. In fact, the Lord willing, in, in uh, August, we're going to be speaking at a couple of youth camps in Oregon, and so we're excited about that. 
So you be praying for us, and thank you again for your support thus far. And this is my wife, Cheryl. Cheryl, would you greet the people? It is a joy to worship Jesus with you this morning as we felt his presence, as we sang and lifted his holy name. We were touched. Think with me for a moment of what Jesus means to you in your life. Freedom from guilt and sin, healings, encouragement, strength, hope of heaven. Yet we know there are so many that do not know our Jesus. I want to introduce you to a girl, young girl named Oksana. I think she was about the age of Quaden Lakely, Trey and Kellen's little kids. And one day, she couldn't go to church. Her parents wouldn't let her, but they let her go outside to the outside uh, kids' crusade we had. She came running up to us when we were coming back carrying our bags of groceries from town, and she said, big blue eyes shining, when are you going to tell us about Jesus again? When are you going to tell about Jesus again? Oh, our prayer is the Holy Spirit will keep that just, just burning in our hearts because that's the cry of the lost, whether they know it or not. And we want to thank you in advance for partnering with us in, as your church has and through prayer. Every life that we touch for Jesus, you all have a part in. And we will pray for you as you continue to share Jesus where God places you. God bless you. It's a joy to be with you today. Thank you, Cheryl. We do have some prayer cards in the back, uh, out in the foyer. You can stop by and pick one up. And uh, we appreciate you praying for us. When the Lord uh, dealt with me about this transition, I was like, Lord, well, what do you want me to preach to the churches in America? Because as a pastor for 23 years, uh, I had, I had uh, shelves full of sermons. I keep all my sermons in notebooks. I had shelves full of sermons. And I said, Lord, which one do I start with? You know, and I'm like, I'm not sure what to preach. It's amazing, let me just insert this, that you can sing a song 50 times and it still blesses you, but a preacher better not get up and preach the same sermon twice because people say, preacher, I've already heard that one. I'm not, I don't want to hear that one again. But so and I realized that people, you know, they need to hear something fresh. So I had lots of sermons in my office and the Lord laid on my heart to preach uh, a message to both Russian and English-speaking churches on the Holy Spirit. You see, I think all of us know here that America is in serious trouble. Do you know that? If you don't know that, you got your head in the sand. America is in serious trouble. But the hope for our nation is not found in a political party. The hope for our nation is not through debate or reasoning or even education. The hope for our nation is through a spirit-filled church of Jesus Christ. Uh, you see, in Acts chapter number two, or number one, it says, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And friends, we've got plenty of churches that have no power. It's time for the church to get the power back into it. And you and I need a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost. 
And so my message today, and my message really across this country, is trying to help and believe that God is going to use me to help the church have a new revival and a new freshness of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I want to go to the book of 2 Kings in the Old Testament, and I want to start and read a scripture from there to get us kicked off this today. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured, out, poured it out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, he, he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. I want to title my message this morning from that phrase, bring me another vessel. Anybody here ever been healed by the power of God? Let me see your hand. You know God did it. I think all of us should have our hand up. Anybody here ever been blessed financially? And you know it was a God thing, you know, came just in the nick of time. Anybody here is saved? Let me see a couple of hands. Yeah, you better raise those hands. We're going to have an altar call right now. Hey, anybody, listen, God never does anything without a purpose. He healed you for a reason. You know why he healed you? He healed you not just so you could go ahead and live in like you've always lived, but he's healed you so you could share your testimony of what God has done for you with somebody else that needs a healing. That he is no respect of person. If he did it for you, he'll do it for them. And what happens is when you share your testimony, then their faith is increased and they can get of healing. He has blessed you financially, not so you can just go buy all your toys and just live like so com comfortable, but he's blessed you so you can bless other people that are in need. He has saved you, not so you can just come and just fill up a pew on church, in church, but he has saved you so you can share your testimony of what God has done in your life, the change in your life, the joy that you have, the peace that you have with someone that has no peace and has no joy. Everything that happened to you that God has done is for a reason and for a purpose. And so it is with the Word of God. The Word of God, everything written in the Word of God, every story is for a purpose, even the Old Testament. Now, I know some of you, you're probably saying, well, I just don't understand the Old Testament. It's kind of hard. There's things, and I know there's some things that are difficult to understand in the Old Testament, but God included it for a reason and a purpose. And oftentimes, the reason it is included in the Old Testament is it's pointing to something of the New Testament. In other words, it's symbolic of something that's going to happen in the New Testament. So let me give you a few examples. The lamb caught in the thicket when Abraham offered his son Isaac was a symbol of Jesus, the lamb, taking our place as a sacrifice. In Moses, when he spoke to the rock, or struck to the rock, shall I say, the, in the wilderness, struck the rock. It symbolized Jesus of the New Testament. You can read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. 
And that was the great sin of Moses. You see, Moses struck the rock twice, and Jesus is not going to be crucified twice. He was crucified once. He was struck once. Now we're able to speak to him. Moses didn't see that. God saw that. That's why God said, hey, you ain't, you're not going to enter the land of Canaan because you disobeyed me. Because God saw the, the, the symbolism of this. We also see Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. It was used as a symbol of Christ being lifted up on the cross in John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And then throughout the Bible, both Old and New Testament, we see that water and oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Now with this thought in mind and knowing that God never does anything or says anything without a purpose, I believe we see a crucial and important message in this story in which we read. It's not just a message that sustained life for this woman and her sons, but it's a message that I believe will sustain life for every one of us here today. Now, God is looking for vessels, and you and I are the vessels that he's looking for. Every single person in this sanctuary here this morning is a vessel that God is searching for and looking for. God's work demands a human vessel or a human being. You see, God could do what he did in the beginning. He could just say, well, let there be light, and there was light. He could say, let this happen, and there was, and that's his, his privilege and his ability, but he has chosen not to do it that way now. Now he's chosen to use people to work through. He pours in and he pours out through us and from us. So he's chosen people to work through. We are the vessels and we must be a prepared vessel. A lack of revival in our churches is not God's fault. It's because there's not vessels that are really prepared. Therefore, we've got to be prepared for God to work through us. Man is God's method of making himself known. Now, in this passage that we read, these vessels were life to this woman and her two sons. The more vessels, the more life. And you and I are the life to our community, to our families, and to our nations. The hope for America is in us bringing life. I can tell you, friends, Life is not found at the ballparks. Life's not found with Hollywood. Life's not found with all the entertainment in the sports world. But life is found through blood-bought, Bible-believing, spirit-filled people that are making an influence in their community, that are willing to let God flow through them. That's where life really is. Now, since you and I are vessels... What is the vessel supposed to be like? This morning I'm going to look at three three things that the vessel must be if we're going to change our community, if we're going to bring life to our community. Let's look at them. Number one. Number one, the vessel must be available. The vessel must be available. Now, this woman only had one vessel with a little bit of oil. And I'm sure that she was thankful for that little bit that she did have. But she also knew that this would not be enough to sustain her and her family, her boys. That's why she cried out to the prophet. She cried out she needed more than what she had. And I tell you this morning, my friends, you and I, I don't care how long you've been in the church, you need more than what you've got. I am a third generation Pentecostal preacher's kid. I'm 64 years old, and I can tell you I need more today 
today than I had yesterday. And I'm speaking literally yesterday as Saturday. I need more today than I had yesterday. And you and I, we must re get this in our mentality that we've got to have more than what we've got today if we're going to really change our community. So this woman, and, and, and we've got to recognize that we have to be available. She needed some available vessels. Unfortunately, so many people in our culture are not available. I think about today, we're right now, I love football. I'm, I'm, I'm not condemning uh, any kind of sporting event or anything like that, but I, I know today you're gonna, some of you are going to go home. You're going to sit in that chair you men will. You ladies might be cooking. You might take her out to eat. I don't know, but you might be cooking, but whatever. If, if your lady's cooking, you guys, uh, you're going to sit in that lazy chair, and you're going to hit that little lever. You might pull it. Now they got buttons that just stick it up there, make your feet go out, and you're going to turn to, you know, we get kind of lazy there. You're going to turn that uh, remote on to watch the television and you're going to get your favorite football game going and the stadium is going to be full of people full of people now listen i believe there's some of those people that are saved i believe some of those people are going to heaven yes i do but i can tell you this when you look at how full that stadium is and how many people are available to go to that ball game and then multiply that by all the how many ever games there are today uh, multiply all those people in those stadiums uh, i wonder how many of those people really are available for God. I'm not saying some of them didn't go to the early service, but I can tell you this. I believe that there's a lot of churches that could be full if all those people were available, but they're not available. I was traveling down the Columbia River just a few months ago on the Washington State side. I was heading to a church service in Vancouver, Washington, and I looked out. It was right in the middle of salmon fishing. The salmon were running, and the, the river was full of boats. Uh, I got to church, and yes, there was a decent crowd there, but there wasn't near a pack full of uh, a, a church service. The, the building wasn't packed full. And I began to think uh, about those that are available to go out to the fish to the fishing hole and catch some fish, but they're not available to be in church service. My friends, we must be available. We can't just think about the world not being available, though. What about the church? Sometimes we got people that come to church, sit on a pew and say, Pastor, don't bother me. I'll enjoy the music. I'll just enjoy uh, the singers and I'll praise the Lord, but I'm going to go out. Don't bother me through the week. Uh, I'm not available, but that's not the way it is, my friends. We've got to come in and say, Lord, I'm available to do whatever you want me to do. We go to the pastor, say, Pastor, what is it I can do? You've got gifts. You may say, well, I can't do anything. Let the Lord decide that. Let the pastor decide that. We've got to be available to do whatever God wants us to do. So we've got to be available regardless how we think about it. You see, I'm, you might say I'm not qualified, but God's not looking for abil ability, but availability. There's people dying and going to hell because we're too busy. I'm sure all of you've got one of these. And this is a cell phone if you don't uh, have it. You've got a house phone probably. And you've got one and you've, you've dialed somebody up and it went beep, 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 beep. What does that mean? It means they're busy. Maybe you've got it and said, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not available right now. Would you please leave a message and I'll call you back. That's a lying answer machine. Because most of the time they don't call you back. But what the point is, the point is that they're busy. 
And my friends, God is trying to call all of us. He is calling all of us this morning. It might be through this message. It might be through the singing. He's calling us to be available vessels that he can work through today. The, the question is, are you going to be busy? Are you going to say, Lord, I'll call you back later. When I get through doing uh, the things I want to do, when I get through doing the, my goals or, or finishing up my goals or, or, or climbing the, uh, the, the social totem pole, when I get all that done, then I'll be available for you. I'm saying to you this morning, friends, God wants you now to be available. So, number one, we have to be available. Number two, second thing that the vessel must be, the vessel must be clean. Now, this woman, I'm sure she sent her sons to, you know, look, look uh, for, for these vessels, and the son goes, let's just pretend. Son goes to one house, knocks on the door. Yes, can I help you? Yes, mom's looking for some vessels. Some, do you have any vessels that are available that you're not using or anything? And she says, well, let's see. Let me think about it. Uh, I might have one down in the basement. So she climbs down to the basement. She goes there, finds this big vessel here, brings it up. And she says, well, I hadn't used it in a while. Blows in it, dust flies out and everything. Might be a spider web in there, spiders climbing out of there. And she says, let me clean it first now. You may say, well, the Bible doesn't say that, and you're exactly right. I don't find that in the Bible. However, I don't know a woman here that's not going to clean that vessel before she loans it out. Come on. Huh? Now, in fact, here's mom over here. Son brings vessel in. Hey, mom, I found a vessel. Son gets, uh, gives it to mama. Mama says, okay, good, thanks. I'm glad you did it. Mom's going to clean it too. I believe that vessel got cleaned twice. And you know what that tells me? That tells me that we have the vessels that God is looking for. We need to be willing to be cleaned and cleaned and cleaned and washed. And we've got to be washed if he's going to use us like he wants to use us. We've got to be clean. You say, clean of what? Clean of the sin and the dirt in our life. You see, there's some people, and we're all, I think at times, probably guilty of it. We come to church and we sit in church and, you know, we put a smile on our face and, you know, we, we, we put on an, an aura about us that everything is okay. But my friends, you can fool the preacher. You can fool the song leader. You can fool the deacons. You can fool the Sunday school teacher and the youth leader and the youth uh, children's pastor, but you're not going to fool God if you've got bitterness in your heart and anger in your heart and unforgiveness in your heart. You can't fool God. He knows that, and you will never be a vessel uh, that's pleasing to him if you've got those things hidden in your life. You've got to confess them. You've got to ask the Lord to cleanse you. Forgive me of that bitterness. Forgive me of that unforgiveness. Forgive me of that hatred. We've got to be clean of those things. We've got to be cleaned of this self-help attitude that we have. What do I mean by that? Well, when I was a kid, my dad was a bricklayer by trade, and, and I was the gopher. Do you, and it, the gopher is the guy that goes for this and goes for that. My dad never taught me how to lay brick or, or work in carpentry work. Any gophers here? Let me see. Do we have any gophers? You're like me. There's a gopher up there. Okay. I love gophers. Oh, there's a gopher back there. I love gophers. Well, I was one of those type of persons. My dad's motto was this. If you want anything done right, just do it yourself. That was my dad's motto. So he never passed that, those things to me. So I never trained Trey, my son. I didn't teach him how to 
lay bricks or do carpentry work or anything like that, because I didn't know how. So Trey gets a family of his own now, and he decides, well, you know, the house needs a little repair, so I want to build me a little thing, a little porch on the back. So you know what he does? He goes to something called YouTube. And he finds out, with the help of pastor here, he finds out how to build it himself. And he saves money by doing it yourself. Anybody here like to do that? You say, man, anybody been to YouTube before? Let me see your hand. Couple of you. Well, you find out how to do it yourself. But unfortunately, that attitude, that self-help attitude where I can do it myself, has crept within the church to where too often now in the church, we come and we've learned how to have church. We know how to play the piano. We know how to play the music or sing. You see, my friends, listen to me carefully. I have learned to play the piano. I know how to do it a little bit. I've learned to sing. I've learned, I've gone to college, learned how to put a three-point sermon together. But I can tell you this morning, my friends, I don't want it to be me doing it whenever I play the piano, whenever I sing, whenever I preach, I want it to be God speaking through me. I don't want to learn how to do it. And I want to say, you all have an awesome worship. You know, I'm not saying that just because my son's part of it, but I'm saying I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place when the, during the worship, and you can be thankful for that. But I have been in some services where a person will be on the piano, they'll rip the piano all to pieces because they have learned how to do it. When they stand up, they bow, and everybody claps. I've seen people singing, and I mean, a guy will sing like a girl, or maybe a girl sings like a guy, and everybody's like, whoa, they got a lot of talent. They can really do good. And everybody claps. But I'm here to tell you, my friend, God will not give his glory to another. The scripture tells us that. We, When we stand up on this platform, we need to give him the honor, him the glory. It's him working through us. It's not us. This self-help where I can do it myself. We got to get rid of that. Abraham tried to help God out with a descendant. Ishmael was born, and there's been trouble ever since. Moses tried to help God out to deliver Israel. In the very beginning, you know, he killed the Egyptian, and uh, he fled to the wilderness. After 40 years, God came back, knocked on his door, <laughs> said, Moses, I still know where you are. So I still want you to take my people and get them out of Egypt. Moses said, oh, come on, God, I don't want to, I can't do it, God. And God says, ah, now I can use him because he don't think he can do it. And that's exactly, my friend, what he wants from us. When you think you can't, God says with me, you can. But we've got to get to that place where it's not us anymore, it's him. We have to be emptied of the old water or the old oil and get some fresh. I'm not a cook, but I understand that oil, if you let it sit there long enough, it's going to get stinky and stagnant. And I can say this, my friends, there are some Pentecostal people that have been in the church a long time, got filled with this Holy Spirit and got some oil a long time ago, but they hadn't practiced it since, hadn't got some fresh oil, and they stinking up the church. So we need some fresh. I told you a few moments ago, 
I've been serving the Lord a long time, been in the church a long time, but I want you to understand that I need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit every day. I can't survive off of what I got yesterday or what I got last week. I gotta wake up on Sunday morning and I gotta get a new fresh today. And I wanna challenge you, my friends, every day you pop your eyes open, every day the Lord wakes you up, you need to get up and say, Lord, I need a new fresh of the Holy Ghost today. Sometimes trials come into our lives in order to empty us of the sin of self-help, this attitude of self-help. And other times trials or temptations may come to get us ready for something bigger or better. I think about Joseph. Anybody here, anybody here like roller coasters? Let me see your hands. If you like a roller coaster, okay. We got a, I guess some older people that like roller coasters. Oh, that's cool. That's really neat because I'm old and I don't like roller coasters. My daughter, not too long ago, one of my daughters, she they said, Dad, I didn't know you didn't like roller coasters. I said, no, I only went on roller coasters because you wanted me to. And we do a lot of dumb stuff for our kids, don't we? Well, anyway, I don't like roller coasters for a couple reasons. Number one, you get up there and you go down this tall thing and you fly down the, the bottom and your stomach stays at the top and your body goes to the bottom and I like them connected. Gets you sick, you know what I mean? And the second reason is it scares the daylights out of me. So to me, it just doesn't make sense to pay a lot of money to get sick and get scared. So I just stay off of roller coasters. But sometimes life is like a roller coaster. One day you're up and the next day you're down. One month you're up and the next month you're down. And sometimes life is like, uh, like a roller coaster. I, and Joseph, Joseph is a perfect image of this. Joseph was a 17-year-old boy, le, number 11 out of 12 boys, and uh, his dad loved him the best. He was dad's favorite. Can't you see him walking around? Dad gave him a new coat, beautiful coat, stood out. I just think of it as one of these psychedelic or one of these really, these cool things that, I mean, almost like fluorescent orange where everybody's gonna see you if you're in the, hunt, in the woods hunting. I mean, he stands out. I mean, he's walking around. Look at me. Dad loves me best. Just a little bit of parental advice for some of you younger people with, new, with multiple kids and you're raising them. Uh, you should never love one child over another. No matter how, if you've got more than one, you've got to love them equal. I was preaching at a church in Vancouver, Washington recently, a, Ru a Russian church, a Ukrainian church, I believe. Pastor had 17 children, one wife, she was about 50 years old, had 17. I told him, I said, you gotta love them all the same. <laughs> Let me tell you, friends, sometimes it might be tempting to love one over the other, and in this particular case, Joseph was truly loved over the rest. He walks around with his chest out, he was on cloud nine. He was up there in the top. But then his brothers sold him into Egypt, and all of a sudden the bottom fell out. He was down in the valley. He gets a good job with Potiphar's, uh, Potiphar's uh, house, and all of a sudden he's back on top again. But then he's charged or accused of rape by Potiphar's wife, and he falls back in prison again. He's down in the valley once again. But then he's brought back up and set in second command to Pharaoh, and he's back on top again. But do you realize what's happening? That whole journey through those years, 
years where he was up, where he was down, where he was up, where he was down. The whole journey, God was getting him ready to deliver his people. And I say this to you this morning. Your life might be like a roller coaster. It may be up one day, down the next. But if you will stay true to God, if you'll stay the course, if you'll stay hungering and thirsting after him, he will use you to deliver your community for him. John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. God's tomorrow of wonders waits our today of sanctification. We need to be cleansed. We need to be clean. But then we look at the third thing that the vessel must be. The vessel must be full. The vessel must be full. Now, friends, again, I am just imagining this. But I think you would agree with me that when she began to fill that oil up, she didn't fill it half full. I don't think she filled it three quarters full. I think, I believe, and because I would do this, and I believe you would too, I believe because it was her life. She filled those containers, those vessels so full that they began to spill over the side. It began to spill over because it was. she wanted to make sure it was full and overflowing. And do you see the picture of this, what God wants to do with you and I? He wants to fill us so full that we're flowing out to other people around us, so full that people will recognize that something is different about that individual. Something You can walk in the grocery store, walk down the aisle, and walk by someone you don't even know, and they can sense that something is different about you. You can be pumping gas on one side, of the gas pump and somebody on the other side and they can look around knowing that there's something different about you. I'm saying that it's possible, I believe, to be so full of the Holy Ghost that people around us without even saying a word can recognize something different about you. Why do I believe that? You look in the book of Acts and we see that Peter, when he walked down the street, uh, he was so full of the Holy Ghost that people would put the, the, the sick in his shadow. He didn't have to say anything, but his shadow would heal people. God has not changed. I believe he's looking for vessels that he can do it today. We just have to be available. We have to be clean. And we have to be full. Do we have any fishermen in the house? One in the back. Two. A lady fisherman. I love yeah. I love to see these lady fishermen. Huh? Any lady fishermen? There's one. Okay. Yeah, got some fishermen in the house. Well, we had a man in our church, still do, he's still there. He told us, he, said, he told me, he said, my ministry is taking the pastor fishing. And I loved his ministry. He had a great ministry. He, actually, he's a children's pastor for 50 years. Had a, he, he really had more than one ministry. He would say that was his ministry here. But I would say he, this was, his ministry taking me fishing was secondary, but it was still ministry. And I say this to you this morning. I'm not sure what your pastor Steve likes, but somebody needs to take heart to minister to whatever he likes. I had one pastor, he said, I don't like to fish. I said, you like to hunt? No. You like uh, golfing? No. You like books? He said, yeah, I like books. He said, so I said, everybody, just make sure you buy plenty of books for him that he likes to read. But this man's ministry was taking me fishing. And I want you to get this picture. In the heat of the summer, 95 degrees, 98 degrees, 
No wind at all. You fishermen can relate with this. No wind at all. You're out there. It's hot. And you are so thirsty. You're so thirsty. But like good fishermen, we take a cooler with us. And we're so excited. I'm so excited. Man, I got to get me a drink and everything. So I reach in and I grab a bottle. And I look. And it's available. But it's empty. Oh, how disappointing that is. It's available, but it's empty. So I thought, oh man, there's gotta be something else in there. I look in there and I find another bottle and I was so excited, but I found another one It's available, but it's dirty. I don't want that. Do you want that? Anybody want that? I don't want that. Then I look in there and I find one. It's available. It's clean. And you know what? It's full. So I reach down. I unscrew the lid. <sighs> Man, that satisfies. That's satisfying. That is really good when it starts dripping. Available, it was clean, and it was full. Do you know, my friends, we live in a world that's thirsty, and they don't know what they're thirsty for. They don't know what they're looking for. But I can tell you, when they run into you, are they finding a vessel that claims to be available, but they're empty? Or do they see you as someone that, they, you do the same things they do. You go to church, but you do the same thing they do. You're not really clean. Or do they see you as somebody that you're available and you're clean and they can go to you and you can pour into their life and you can lead them into a life of peace by sharing Jesus with them. It comes through being, having the power of the Holy Spirit as I mentioned a moment ago, I'm a third-generation Pentecostal. When I was small, my mother would always send me to the altar to seek the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget it, Brother Steve, Pastor. She'd send me to the altar and say, Son, you need to go down and seek the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So for years... I would go to the altar. It didn't matter what the preacher was preaching on. He could be preaching on heaven. I had to go seek the Holy Ghost. If he's preaching on hell, I had to go seek the Holy Ghost. If he's preaching on healing, divine healing or demon possession, I had to go down and seek the Holy Ghost. When I was 12 years old, I went to youth camp there in Windsor. And uh, it happened that the same week they had youth camp, they had Little League All-Stars, and I was on the All-Star team. And what an honor that was. Here I was, 12 years old, on the All-Star team. But it was the same week, two miles apart, baseball game, youth camp. I was in a predicament. But I got special permission at nighttime to leave youth camp and go play my Little League ball game and then go back 
to youth camp. On Monday night, I left, went and played the ball game. But when I got back to youth camp, I heard they had a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All heaven came down. Let me say this, a lot of times the night you miss, <laughs> that's when the blessing really falls. So you don't wanna miss a night when they're having revival or they're having special service. You wanna be there. But I missed that night and I heard all heaven fell. And a nine-year-old got the Holy Ghost. And I'm saying to myself, a nine-year-old got the Holy Ghost? That's not fair, God. A nine-year-old, and I've been seeking the Holy Ghost all my life. I was 12 years old. A nine-year-old. Tuesday night came, my dad came to pick me up. I went out and met him. I could see it right now. I said, Dad, I'm not gonna play that ball game tonight. I'm gonna stay here and get the Holy Ghost. He said, okay, son. So I went at nine o'clock. I remember it was about nine o'clock that night they gave the altar call. I went to one of the prayer rooms, sawdust. On, it was outdoor tabernacle, sawdust. I went in the back prayer room and I began to seek the Lord. And let me say to you, you seek the giver, not the gift. You seek the giver, you seek him. And I began to seek Jesus. I said, Lord, I began to praise him and worship him. I sat there and ended up laying on that sawdust ground for two hours, two hours. And I can remember right now them singing and playing a song. Fill my cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsty soul of mine. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole. And as they were singing that song, I mean, the Spirit came on me, and I, on this 12-year-old boy, began to speak in another language as the Holy Spirit began to flow through me. And I want to tell you, my friends, what God did for me that night. I don't know who won the ball game. I don't know who they got to take my place. But what I got that night, I still have it at 64 years old. And the Lord will do the same thing for everybody that hungers and thirsts after righteousness he said you will be filled my oldest daughter 12 years old we were in Russia we came home for a little period of time to raise some more money home church was in revival she had not received the baptism she was 12 she came to the altar and that night she was baptized in the Holy Spirit but here's what you need to know she laid on the floor speaking in a heavenly language for five hours, never stopping. I know because I was there with her till three o'clock in the morning, five hours. And when she got off the floor, she said, Dad, my jaw hurts. And I said, I guess so. You've been talking for five hours straight. <laughs> that little girl today, full of the Holy Ghost is a missionary in Russia, her and her whole family, and you all support her, I believe you do, her and her family. But it's because she gave her life to be filled, filled, filled to overflowing. Friends, I ask you this morning, are you gonna be available? Are you gonna be cleansed? Are you gonna be full? We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org.
Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.